right out of the gate, I just want to acknowledge uh, we have a goaltender for Brad on the program. It's uh, In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by The Hockey Shop, source for sports survey, thehockeyshop.com. David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley being very patient as I celebrated American Thanksgiving and uh, kind of disappeared for a little while. Looking forward to this one because it's uh, Black Friday. We've got Black Friday sale going on at The Hockey Shop, source for sports survey, thehockeyshop.com. Uh, we're going to get into that in the gear segment, plus Kristen Campbell is one of our two feature interviews this week. Uh, she is a goaltender uh, out of Wisconsin, was her last to go around in the NCAA, dominated there, now uh, a hopeful on Team Canada, working away towards the Beijing Winter Olympics. And uh, she has a lot going on, had just a fascinating conversation. And we are going to follow that up with somebody that she works with, uh, an optometrist uh, based out of Calgary, Dr. Chris Wu. And uh, just get into some eye training, some optical training uh, in just a little bit. So the two feature interviews, it's Black Friday, BOGO, uh, buy one, get one free, even though everything's free. But just thought I'd throw that out there, that we're, we're doing our own two for one uh, right now. And the feature interview is brought to you by Sensorina VR. Uh, gentlemen, uh, can we just give a little love to the Calgary Flames? Like Just al- almost a shutout every second night right now between Dan Vladar and Jacob Markstrom. Uh, Hutch, it's, we're, we're seeing some, for considering we waited a while for the first shutout, this is absolutely extraordinary. They're both putting up incredible numbers. I was just looking through them, and I didn't realize that Dan was, if you just look at the raw numbers, ahead of Markey as well, and Markey's putting up a remarkable season. Um, what's what's the reason? Is it uh, is it the great goaltending coaching of Jason LaBarbera, Woody? Is it defensive structure in Calgary? What's going on that's letting both these guys excel so much? Well, I'd just like to say that, uh, of course, Markstrom has five shutouts because my hockey pool counts each shutout as five points. And I always take a goalie in the last round and it was him or Freddie Anderson. And I'm actually very happy that I took Freddie Anderson, but still like, I think I'd be winning the pool by 10 miles if I'd taken Markstrom with all those shutouts. It's a little bit of both. Who's in your pool that they leave both those guys till the last round? Bunch of idiots. What can I say? Not very bright. Bunch of idiots. What can I say? Except I'm the one who's nickname is the donator in said pool. So maybe I should. Can I make a request? Uh, can Hutch and I get into that pool next year? The money's mine. Oh, sorry, I'd there. be donating. <laughs> with with that kind of strategy, Hutch and I both want to get into that pool. Okay, back to back to the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys in next year after I hoard, hoard okay. all the winnings this year. Um, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of everything, right? Like Jacob Markstrom's a Vesna Trophy candidate right now, maybe the front runner along with Igor Shosturkin. Dan Vladar has been really good. Um, Daryl Sutter coaches a, a style, a team that checks really hard, uh, that I think a lot of goaltenders would like to play behind. I think you got to give credit too to the coaching staff, the goalie coaches, Jason LaBarbera, but also Jordan Sigalette. Like there are a lot of people around the league, including other goaltenders and goalie coaches, that wondered about them rolling with Jacob Markstrom and Dan Vladar and, and sort of nothing else. Like Dustin Wolf is tearing up the American Hockey League, but you know, basically just a second year pro with minimal games played. Like you didn't give yourself a huge, you know, margin for error with Vladar and they trusted him. They saw something and he's delivering. Now, the one thing you talked about the public numbers, there is one glaring discrepancy between those two goaltenders right now. And I think actually it's, it's a little unfair to Markstrom because sometimes what happens, especially as we get towards the end of the year and you start talking about things like Vesna voting, People will look at Dan Vladar's 946 save percentage, Jacob's 940, and maybe discount 
Markstrom season a little bit, right? Like, oh, hey, look, the backup's posting great numbers. It must be all about the system. When I look at the expected save percentage, Jacob Markstrom's like 892, and he's outperforming it by almost 4%, which is number one in the NHL, screams Vesna Trophy. Beyond the shutouts, that screams Vesna Trophy candidate even more so to me. Right now, Vladar is also positive, but just plus 1%. His expected save percentage uh, through his first five starts with the Calgary Flames is 928. It's the highest in the league by a long shot. I've never seen anyone finish that high. There will be tougher starts coming. That will come down. The question is, will the raw numbers come down with it? It's not discounting what he's done. He's been excellent. He's got two shutouts. Um, he's Again, he's performing well above expected. But just the degree of difficulty compared to Jacob Markstrom has been night and day. And you know what tends to happen uh, over the course of time as you get more starts is that number is going to come down in terms of the expected as you get more, you get into more tough and more difficult situations, especially probably after the Olympics, because you know you're going to need to rest Jacob Markstrom more coming off what likely will be a starting role with Sweden. How much do we put uh, stock into it being the second year with the organization for Markstrom and being able to turn this on at traditional year? Yeah, I think, et cetera. Like, I mean, look at last year for him, changes teams. Yeah. Changes goalie coaches almost twice, right? He arrives in Calgary and it's Jordan Sigalette. During the World Junior, so over sort of the Christmas time, they hired Jason LaBarbera and moved Jordan Sigalette up to the director of goaltending role, which was done on purpose so that once the season started, Jacob would just have one voice. But sort of as he got ready for the season, it, w- it was Siggy. And then when Jason finished with the World Juniors and came back to the team, it was Jason. So your le- new voices you know, sort of new guidance, uh, somebody you're working with new for the first time, and then a new system and a new head coach. And then they changed that, you know, when they brought in Daryl Sutter. So there was a lot of change and then add the concussion on top of it, right? Coming out of his net to, to, to play a puck, gets trucked by former teammate Tanner Pearson. I think a lot of people forget Jacob Markstrom was off to a hell of a start last year at that point. Like he was living up to that contract right up until when he got hit and then things kind of went off the rails for a little bit, and he finished strong. So I think all those things, being comfortable behind Daryl's system, new voices, new opinions on your game, like it's just sometimes these things take time. And and Jacob Markstrom now looks like the goaltender they signed him to be. Um, you know, like I said, Vesna Trophy, if not if not just a candidate, probably the leader in the clubhouse right now a quarter of the way through the season. And maybe the leader for Team Sweden at the Olympics, as it's uh, between Robin Leonard and... Uh, Jacob Markstrom. We'll see whether or not uh, both goaltenders go. Robin's uh, been kind of uh, outspoken. He has been outspoken, uh, talking about, uh, well, uh, he wants to play, and if he doesn't play, he he might uh, use the time to rest and recover and get ready for the back half of the season. So that'll be an intriguing one to uh, to watch. It's just uh, one note. Uh, Hutch was was doing some digging and save percentages and and different uh, analytics. It looks like goaltenders uh, across the board in the National Hockey League having a good start. Well, yeah, and I mean, mine was just more of the casual fan perusal of the numbers than what Woody will do when he really digs down 14 levels uh, into all of this. But uh, yeah, league average save percentage at 913 right now, which is up, last year was like 908, I think they finished at. So that's a pretty significant jump. Um, And then I've got 25 goalies right now sitting at 920 or above. Uh, wow. It just, I mean, the numbers to me look pretty staggering. Uh, but as you mentioned, Darren, as we were chatting, it, it, it feels like there's a lot of goals being scored, except in Calgary. So 
<laughs> what, what's going on here, Woody? I don't know what's going on. I'm going to try and get to the bottom of it because I got to write about it because you're right. That jump from 908 at the end of last year to 913 right now would be the highest jump in save percentage in the National Hockey League in 20 years. And what makes it even more remarkable is every season, it seems, goalies sort of start off slower traditionally. Because I remember having this conversation around the league last year in my various radio hits, and it was, what's wrong with the goalies? Because the, the save percentage was down around 903, 905 range through Christmas. And it was a real question that's being asked. And every year, I, that's what I said last year, guys, like, guys, it'll go up. Teams will tighten up down the stretch and save percentage will rise. And it got all the way to 908. So it's if, if it's at... No, no training camp last year. Like they jumped. Yeah, right that up. was a big part of it. And so, and you know, I'm actually thinking this was two years ago because it was around Christmas. So anyways, at the end of the day, and I'm re- having someone run the numbers now, it always starts low and rises as this, it, things get tighter. It gets harder to score. So if it's at 913 already, like I wonder how high this could go. As much as you're right, Darren, last year was an anomaly. We have seen it come down steadily from 915 and I think it was 2015, 16 has been... Just a steady mm-hmm. drop all the way to 908. So to see a bump like this, a bump that if it keeps rising, could be the largest single season bump ever in the National Hockey League. There's got to be a reason for it. And so yeah, hey, if you got ideas out there for our listeners, send them send them our way. We need a little we need a little uh, group group research consulting here from the in goal audience. Why are goalies dominating this season? Connor Hellebuck won the Vesna Trophy with a 922 two seasons ago. He's got a 921 right now, and he's barely in the top 20 little brainstorming from uh, in goal goals per game aren't down drastically so that's also something to keep in mind our shots up like uh, we'll we'll kind of get into this uh, as we go along but uh, let's get into uh, the gear segment and it's the Black Friday sale over at Source for Sports, uh, the hockey shop, uh, Source for Sports. Sorry. Yeah, we're going to wrap up. We've sort of had three straight weeks. I know we haven't been unveiling a lot of new gear, but we've been kind of going over some of the reviews we did earlier because those items are now on sale. We already talked about Warrior. We talked about the SLR2 line being heavily discounted, anywhere from 20 to 40%. Uh, this week, we're going to go over some of the Bauer feature items that are on sale, uh, including 2X Pro pads that they still have in stock. So again, not the latest and greatest gear, but some serious savings on all of it. I was just perusing the website. Um, like they are even, they've even got the CCM, some of the CCM pro return sticks on sale. So you're talking like pro level sticks for 149 Canadian from CCM guys like Markstrom, Bennington, some big names, different patterns, different curves. So pay special attention to it. Be very careful on, you know, 23 inches might actually on the, on the, on the, uh, length of, of, um, that paddle might be actually a little longer. So they've got some of those noted in the write-ups. Um, the other thing too, to be careful of, and they've got warnings on the site, like shipping is an issue out of the lower mainland. So it might take a little longer than you expect. Again, we've talked about Black Friday being a great opportunity to get the Christmas gifts ready uh, for the special goalie in your life. And that applies even more so because of some of the flooding that we've had here in the lower mainland. Um, you know, We basically were cut off and have been cut off uh, from the rest of Canada to the east, uh, the flooding knocked out our major sort of shipping and supply line chains uh, to the east. So give it a little more time um, to to get there. Make sure you double check on the shipping. There's some notes on the website there as well. So yeah, it's, it's just, it just might not be as fast as it usually is. But if you're patient, there's some big savings to be had. It's Kevin and Cam as they peruse the Black Friday sales. 
do you peruse the web often, Woody? I, I guess that was not the right word, eh? I I I, I was perusing, okay? I, I, I do peruse. <laughs> Screw both of you. Peruse. Uh, let's uh, peruse with Kevin and Cam. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're down here in Goalie Utopia. We're actually back live. Cam's back from the road. He's back from the Source for Sports show. Um, I tried beating him with this stick earlier to see if he would share some of the exclusive scoops about next year's gear. But he's still a giant chicken. He won't speak out of turn and share any of the secrets that the companies have sworn him to keep. So I guess we're back to sale items, and that's exciting because it's Thanksgiving this week, Black Friday. U.S. Thanksgiving. Yeah, the real Thanksgiving was like months ago, folks. I don't know what they're doing down there, but hey, it means sales all over the world, and that includes the Black Friday sale here at the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com. We've talked a couple weeks ago about the SLR2 line that was on sale. We had the Warrior stuff on sale. Last one this week, Bauer, Cam, like... I was trying to remember everything that's on sale. We got some, I didn't know if you were just bringing me like small sizes, like cam sizes, or it was just youth equipment. We've got like pro level pads, sticks, knee pad, like everything. Bauer on sale. Walk me through it. Lots to go over. I'll try to keep it tight. Um, there's actually more here than even I know. I'd even check my phone just to even double check some of these deals. Like you, you got to have a look. Um, we got two X uh, leg pads left over. Um, they're on for a great price. Supreme Protective um, knee pads, the a Vapor um, X900 knee pads. Those guys are also on sale. Give me a percentage. Uh, you're anywhere from 20, 30, 40, and upwards of 50% off. Check out the deals on the website. You can shop by collection, which is Bauer Sale category. Or you can give us a call here at 604-589-8299. We are not done yet, so don't roll that 1-800 number. Still more to talk about. Supreme 2 last stick. Uh, I've got a couple of those guys left over. They're only in a 23-inch, I believe. But for... Um, Game cam size? Uh, yeah, my size. I, last time Actually, I checked, you're using a 23 like, I like the low paddle. I like the small paddle. Okay. Well, you know, there's other guys that use a smaller paddle, too. Jake this is Mark like Sergei Bobrovsky size. Well, they see... And he's good, so that means I'm good. And you suck. Tough bounce. Keep going. <laughs> Supreme skates. Um, good selection here, still left over. Starting to get a little limited in those really, really popular sizes. Um, but if you're on the uh, larger end of the spectrum or um, somewhere in the in-between. The um, smaller. Still got quite a few options for you. Um, 2S, S29, S27 all on sale as well as some of the vapor lineup as well once again a little bit more limited in sizing however how much how much how much, how much? Off? How much? 40 percent. 40 percent. see there we want numbers cam we just don't want the sales pitch give us numbers yeah well, us the sales pitch involves a little bit of a tease where it's a you have to go to the hockey shop.com or give us a call you know well with savings as high as 40 even 50 percent on some items that i hear there's a very select few but there make, are some make sure you check out the hockey for all black friday savings and as we said we're going to have some stocking stuffers some very specific gift ideas coming up uh, but the with the state of the world especially here in the lower mainland in terms of shipping and the ability to get you stuff quickly that has changed supply chains and everything that's going on with shipping products um make sure you get your christmas gift and Christmas shopping done early. 
Black Friday is a great way to do it and save money and make sure the goalie in your life has something special under the tree. Check them out at thehockeyshop.com or last but not least, the 1-800 number. 567-7790. Kevin still sucks. Now that's not nice. Woody, we give you a lot of shots, but that that wasn't nice. I'm I'm going to talk to Cam about that. Yeah, I don't suck. <laughs> you, like you're not great. No, but I don't suck. You, 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 <laughs> he owes you a new warm up. That's stick. right. I don't, I'm, I'm actually. You, hey, the, listen, I'm I'm perusing the website right now, and I'm looking at a Ryan Miller beautiful Anaheim orange and black with silver trim, 149 Ooh. bucks. For a CCM Premier 2 Pro Level stick, are you kidding me? Make sure you check out their Black Friday sale. Hey, speaking of socks, I'm not going to karaoke with Cam. No. No, 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 no. No, no, that's, uh, that's a one and done. Uh, you could hold on to that, uh, that Ryan Miller stick as you participate in the Sensorina uh, workouts. Hutch, like, there's all kinds of stuff happening over at Sensorina VR. Well, there are, but there's one that that's most important to note right now, Darren, and that's, uh, of course, it's Black Friday weekend. You can get your Oculus 2 headset and controllers absolutely free if you sign up for Sense Arena for a year. Like, has there ever been a better deal? Even if you're just dying to get into Oculus for all sorts of other reasons as well, here's mm-hmm. your chance to jump into Sense Arena. We know they've got this huge global skills competition going on now. Um, get into Sense Arena, and if you do it, don't forget, use the code IGM50. And you get another 50 bucks off the already great price. So, um, yeah, Sense Arena, guys, now's the time. You can play the fishing game. Like, it just, it's a byproduct. Have you been like fishing? That, that, oh, Woody and I, we're all over the fishing game. Ah. When, when we take our breaks from, from Sense Arena, that fishing game well, is let's awesome. Well, let's be honest. There's a tie-in for me to playing goal, because every time I try and make a save, it's pretty much a fishing expedition. <laughs> he's, he's casting out there. Our Sense Arena VR uh, feature interview this week is a, is a two-for-one. Uh, we've got uh, Chris Wu coming up. Uh, he's an optometrist in Calgary and does some great uh, vision training. And uh, there's a tie-in there with our first guest, Kristen Campbell, as they work together. And the background on Kristen Campbell, Woody. Uh, exceptional goaltender. Um, there's a long story here and we get into it, um, has been through a lot of adversity. Uh, goes to the university of North Dakota. They cut the program out from under her as well as, uh, you know, pretty much the, obviously the whole team, a lot of people sort of left looking for a place to play lands at Wisconsin, dominates at Wisconsin, wins a national championship is getting ready to go for back to back championships. And that season gets shut down because of COVID relocates to Calgary, um, because she wanted to be closer to the Olympic program and Hockey Canon and take advantage of all their facilities. And now she's a part of the centralized roster, one of three goaltenders, along with Anne Renee Debian, who we've had on the podcast, and Emirates Mashmeyer, uh, who we've had as as part of a guest on the panel with Hockey Canada for our Ingo Premium subscribers that want to check that out. Um, and just got her first start. Like she played for U18. She's worn the Maple Leaf before an international competition. We got her first start with the senior women's national team, a 13 save shutout against Finland just about 10 days ago by the time most people listen to this. Um, Just more than that though. So there's the resume, but more than that is you're going to hear in this interview, uh, the ultimate no stones unturned goaltender. 
uh, and as a matter of fact, has had to stop turning over a few stones. But if you name it, if there's a way to try and get better, whether it's vision training, whether it's sports psychologist, whether it's using a treadmill and stopping pucks while moving side to side on a treadmill as it as it was spinning, that was one of the things she put out on social media during the pandemic, as well as Sensorina didn't come up in this interview, but talking to her afterwards, because I just wasn't sure and didn't want to put her on the spot. But sure enough, she used Sensorina as well. Um, just if there's a way to get better at goaltending, Kristen Campbell is going to try it. And probably one of the reasons she's one of the best in the world on the women's side. The latest in a long line of great goaltending uh, from Brandon Manitoba. It's Kristen Campbell, the feature interview, part one on In Goal Radio, the podcast. So really pleased to be joined on the Ingle Radio podcast this morning by Kristen Campbell. Uh, we've caught her, caught up to her with uh, the Can- centralized Canadian National Women's Olympic team as they get ready for the upcoming Olympics in 2022, and a bit of a whirlwind. Finland last week, you're in Ontario this week. I guess, first of all, just can you walk our audience through what it's like, maybe a day in the life of what the last couple of weeks have been like? as this team tries to come together and get ready for Beijing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's been pretty crazy journey. I think we started back in actually July, meeting up as a team to prepare for the world in August. So we've been since then practicing every day out of Calgary, traveling to play junior A boys teams across Alberta, playing the U.S. in series whenever we get the chance, either in the States or in Canada, and obviously taking our international trip to Finland. But yeah, I mean, the last couple of weeks have been pretty insane, uh, traveling across the world pretty much. And then I guess we're getting COVID tested quite a bit too to make sure everyone's healthy. Um, the time change was interesting, the eight hours. But yeah, we basically, I remember we flew out, we were having like a 17-hour travel day. Then a lot of us had one hour of sleep on the plane because we couldn't sleep that well. Um, and then we hit the ice for practice. So I mean, it's a grind and you're just trying to be as ready as possible when you get the chance to practice as a team, because we know that the Olympics are coming up and uh, we're going to make the most of every situation, even if we aren't feeling our best. And that's kind of like this road trip right now. We're going to use it as a team builder, too. And it's a big part of the process of winning that gold medal in Beijing. Okay, so Finland uh, was your first opportunity. Now, you've played for Canada before. You've worn the Maple Leaf before at the under-18s, but your first opportunity with the senior national women's team, 13-save shutout. Like what, what goes through your mind when you put that jersey on and get that start for the first time with, with the senior program? Yeah, I mean, it was really exciting. Uh, it's something that I've dreamt about, obviously, for such a long time. And to reach that goal, I think... Like being out there, I felt like I had been out there before because of the amount of times I had visualized that in my head. So, yeah, it was really special to get the win with the girls. And then the shutout was just like the cherry on top of it. So, yeah, I'm excited moving forward. It was a great start. And I just want to give my team a chance to win every game that I get to play. Okay, so there's so many different threads I want to pull on here because you've already started talking about visualization. I want to ask about um, both your work as, as what uh, that you've done with Pete, with other mental skills coaches, Pete Fry, of course, um, as well as you have a rehab psychology degree, if I understand correctly, and how that fits into. I mean, this game is so mental. Where are you at in terms of 
that degree? Where does that fit with what you do on the ice and your work with Pete and visualization? And that's a lot of different questions at once, but help me understand how Kristen Campbell stays so strong mentally on the ice. Yeah. I mean, I, growing up, I guess I've always really taken an interest to the mental side of the game and I actually wanted to be a sports psychologist and that's what got me into rehab psychology at Wisconsin. And that's still my goal in the future. But I think back in, I would have been grade nine or 10, I started working with mental skills consultants with Hockey Canada and then kind of had a personal one on my own and continued that through college. But, and then with Pete, I find his work is really goaltender specific and really gets you during COVID. I was on his weekly webinar uh, concentration games all the time. And I found those really set me up for success. Even right now, we are visualizing things that were going to be happening like months and months down the road. Um, but yeah, I think like the mental side, you, like you said, is huge. And that's kind of what gives you an edge, I think, to against your competition. So yeah, the mental side is something that I practice every single day. And I think it's probably one of the biggest strengths in my game is uh, having all these resources at my hands and being able to use them uh, to my advantage. What is, and just for, for our audience, rehab psychology, like what part of psychology, what's different about that compared to say, you mentioned being a sports psychologist, where does that fit into the, that, uh, that area of expertise? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I took a lot of different classes. Um, uh, it's very specific. You could go a lot of different ways with that. I know a lot of people take rehab psychology to become physiotherapists. It's kind of like getting your foot in the door in a lot of different ways, but it's more focused on people and how the brain works. I took a lot of like brain-based psychology classes and it's, yeah, it's really super interesting to me. And I think that too, as a goaltender, when you can learn how to control your thoughts and be able to be that last line of defense and not feel like there's any distractions pulling you outside of your crease, I think that's when you can be the most successful. So it's definitely helped me on the ice, but it's definitely an interesting field that I'm glad I got into one shot, next shot mentality. We hear it, whether it's professional golfers or professional goalies, it's the easiest thing to say and the hardest thing to do. So um, what are your keys when you're in a game? And I, and I wanted to go back to that Finland game, because one of the things of playing for Team Canada and Hockey Canada on that stage is you can have nights where you're not busy. And goalies struggle with that up till right up to the National Hockey League. There are some goalies that just can't manage that between the years. So um how do you, are there tips that you could pass along to younger goalies with how you stay engaged in a game where maybe the shot clock isn't keeping you engaged on its own? Yeah. I mean, personally, I talk to myself a lot. <laughs> um, a lot of my teammates joke, it'd be funny, like if I was mic'd up, but I think that, yeah, when you're out there by yourself, like you have to keep yourself engaged in the game. There's no one going to be coming to you a lot if, especially if your team's dominating the game. So something I've worked on is kind of, um, having a, uh, mantras kind of mantras that I'll use in different situations if I haven't seen a shot in a while something I'll say out loud to myself or for going on a penalty kill something I'll say out loud um working on to like because that can be a distraction or you can use that as an advantage so it's like uh, I haven't seen much action right now but I'm going to answer the door when I'm called upon so just like repeating things like that over and over so that when you do uh get your chance and you get your shot uh you're going to make that save and I think two different mentality I've had when I was at Wisconsin, it was kind of similar. Like I wouldn't see a lot of shots because our team was very strong there. So just like craving the puck instead of, I think it's an issue when goalies, you don't see a shot and you almost get a little nervous, but you just got to have that mentality. Like I want this puck so bad. And I think in that Finland game, that's kind of how I was too. I was like, I just want shots. Like I want the girls to give me some shots, but they were being too good that game. So 
how when you when you say little phrases and talking to yourself in those moments, I'm guessing the language you use is very important. It sounds like like you said you're using positive language because a lot of goalies, when the mind wanders and they see a goalie at the other end, especially when the other goalie's really good and your team's peppering them and they're not letting anything in, the mind can go to negative thoughts. So are there any you can share without giving too much away in terms of how do we keep that self-talk positive? And am I right in saying that's an important aspect of it? Yeah, for sure. I think too, it's really important to accept that those thoughts are going to come. So like you just talked about, if you're watching another goalie and they're playing an unreal game, you can honestly accept it out loud. Like say, okay, that goalie's playing unreal, but I'm going to put my focus right back here on the puck and I can be even better. And I think that that's something that's really huge is not fighting those thoughts, being able to accept that they're there because once you do that, you can kind of play free. So I remember thinking too, like sometimes you get distracted at the times, like you still have 40 minutes left maybe or half the game and you can think like, okay, I'm thinking about that win. Like I feel that win, but I'm going to bring my focus right back on the puck in the play. So I find whenever I'm distracted by anything, I honestly admit it out loud because then it lets me kind of move over, flush it and work on that next shot mentality. Oh, I, I love that. It reminds me, we did a seminar with, with Pete and John Stevenson and uh, one of the key points I remember being driven home by both of them and John, uh, I, I think at first was, accepting that you're nobody can focus for every moment of a 60 minute game that your your focus is going to wander and that recognizing that and bringing it back is the actual skill and how Brayden Holpe's mind would wander 20 times a game it wasn't about it wandering it was about being able to bring it back so I, I love that tip um you mentioned uh visualization we hear that a lot and I think a lot uh of young goalies wonder how it manifests itself how do I do that like what is visualization to you and, you know, are you looking at yourself from above? Are you seeing plays through your own eyes? Is it actual plays or is it moments? What to you is good visualization habits? Yeah, I guess I've played around a lot with it over the years, kind of trying to find what works best for me. But uh, usually like the night before a game, I'm always visualizing my whole routine. Like I'll start with literally like when I wake up in the morning and then go all the way through to the ring, like pregame warmups, everything. Like I'll try to see it as clearly as possible, put myself in that venue. Um, but yeah, like I think pregame, I do stuff with Pete too, like more guided visualizations. So honestly, something I started the last year too was just getting on my computer and typing out exactly everything I want to see in that game, using all my senses, what I'll hear, feel, see, all those different things. And then I literally send it to him and he creates like a 10 to 14 minute guided visualization that I'll listen to like before my pregame nap. So I'll put them, my AirPods in and I can hear everything that I just talked about. And it's crazy. Like after the game, how <laughs> I'll literally text him and be like, Hey, like everything that we talked about and that basically happened in that game. So yeah, I find like that's very helpful because you're manifesting it yourself and then you can listen to it which is manifesting it more. And then you're basically, if you believe in it enough, you're going to walk into that clear picture in the game. So, Can you give us a couple examples? Because the one thing that when, when I hear that, and again, without giving too much away, and that's a line we don't want to cross, obviously. So, so feel free to say no. But when I hear what's going to happen in that game, my mind as a crappy beer leaguer automatically thinks, well, I can't control what's going to happen in that game because I don't control what the other team does or how many chances we give up. So what kind of things are you identifying for yourself that 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 you know can happen that you I guess it's things you have control of? 
Can yeah. you give us a couple examples? Yeah, for sure. I guess uh, I remember at the start, I'll always talk about how I'm going to feel and warm up. So I'll talk about my mentality, um, talk about welcoming every puck in, being at the top of my crease, how that puck feels when it goes in my glove, like how I'm seeing every shot, making every save. I'll talk about um, right off the puck drop, I get a breakaway. I choose to be the alpha out there. Like I'll just talk about different like mindsets and mentalities and then Obviously, like you said, you can't control everything that's going to happen in the game, but I can prepare for the situations like if we get called for three penalties in a row, um, things like that. I can choose how I'm going to respond if something goes wrong, like if we get scored on, um, just different things like that. I think there's like a lot of controllables out there and obviously you don't know how many shots you're going to get, but I always... In the visualization, I'll take a guess. Like, I'll guess like I made 35 saves and it's kind of weird because one time it was like right on. (laughs) So like, even though you can't control, like you can kind of have in your head, like a picture of what you would like to happen. And obviously it's not going to happen every time, but you can kind of play around with it, but you can for sure focus on the controllables of your mindset. Now you, did you maintain this mentality into your off ice work? Obviously we saw, I think there are some, some more famous examples during the pandemic where you couldn't get on the ice. I mean, the treadmill video obviously jumps out. Uh, but things that you did, I mean, every time, you know, I read a story about your path and, and, and joining the national team, you're doing extra things. You're, I guess the phrase I would use is no stone unturned. If that, uh, does that sound fair in terms of slide boards and all the different tools? You seem to always be looking for ways to keep engaged and, and keep getting better as a goaltender. Is that fair? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've always been like that since I was younger too. Like I always wanted to find everything possible that could make me a better goaltender. Um, I do a lot of vision training on my own. I work with a vision trainer actually right now in Calgary and I really enjoy that. I think it's huge uh, for obviously being able to track the puck, uh, especially at this level. And I use the neural tracker software to vision training glasses that I bring with me and my computer everywhere I go. And my roommates make fun of me sometimes because they look kind of silly, but then I make them try it and they think it's pretty hard. So, um, but yeah, I think especially in COVID, it was finding ways that you could get better with the things that you had. And I lived at home for a while, but yeah, I definitely have a lot of things that I do extra, but I'm really big into the mental side of the game for sure. And making sure that I'm constantly goal setting, journaling, reflecting on, especially my days right now, because they're so busy and just making sure that I'm doing everything to maximize my progression forward because my ultimate goal is to be a starting goaltender for the national team and win us gold medals. So, Strobe glasses are one of the tools that I read you used at one point. Like, Do you actually take those out on the ice as well? Maybe not right now, but is that as something you've done in the past? I'm just looking, I'm thinking all these things you've tried, you're, you're playing at the highest level, had this incredible NCAA career, and you've tried all these different things to get better. I'm curious where each one sort of stands out in terms of what way it was beneficial. Did Were strobe glasses something that was purely off ice or did you bring it on ice as well? And where'd you see the benefits? Yeah, actually, I remember bringing them on ice back when I was at North Dakota. Um, they were good, but I found like they're hard because the helmet, like it was hard to get them to stay on my head like properly and whatnot. But I'd for sure move, use them more off ice. Um, use them a lot right now, actually, with my vision trainer. We do he'll shoot plastic pucks at me and I'll wear the strobes and yeah, those are just, it's really challenging. And like he talks about, it's like adding that 
extra handicap to make things harder. So then when obviously you don't have the strobes on, it's easy to see the puck. And I found the benefits this year um, working with him the next day at practice. I find my eyes are so much more dialed in and at the time it's really hard, but then I'm seeing the benefits when I get back out on the ice. So I would say I use the strobes more um, off the ice, but I'm really big into the neural tracker software because I find like not just does it uh, exercise your brain cognitively, but you can work on your mental side of the game. So I'm always kind of challenging myself like, okay, like this next rep is a penalty kill or like this next rep's a breakaway. And I use it quite a bit pregame too. And I find it just turns me on and gets me ready uh, to be tracking at my best. So you're taking a more general cognitive training tool, like it's still sports-based and and probably helps everyone and you're making it goalie specific on your own. Yeah, yeah. Like that's kind of what I've done the last couple of years here and I've really liked uh, how it's worked for me. I love it. I love it. Uh, Have you gone Marc-Andre Fleury yet and tried using the strobe glasses in your warm-up before a game? I have not. I'm more of a juggler before the game, but... Yeah, definitely. It would be interesting. It for sure would turn your eyes on pretty good. You touched on so many things there and so many different threads I wanted to pull upon. But I wanted to ask you how you got started. You know, I understand that you didn't always dream necessarily in the early years of being a goalie. Started playing defense. How'd you, how'd you end up in the net? There's usually just a couple of ways it happens. Um, it's either the gear or sibling related. Uh, how'd you end up in the net? And I guess more importantly, why'd you fall in love with it? Why'd you like it? Yeah, I mean, it is one of those two. My older brother played and we actually were D partners for a while and I always wanted to be like him and I did play forward for a while too, but he always threw me in the net when we play street hockey. And then once I was in there, I never came out. I lived in Brandon, Manitoba, so I kind of idolized like a lot of the Wheat King players growing up. And I remember going to the games and always being like, again, like the gear is so cool. Like I love the helmet. And I actually, when I was younger, I played with the boys to start and I always had to race to the ring to get the one set of, it was like furlin pads and gloves, like something very old, but uh, the boys didn't want a girl in the net. So I had to be the first one there to get that set of gear so that I could play. So that's kind of how I got in there. And then I never came out. I ended up switching over to girls shortly after because they needed a goalie. Uh, But yeah, it was definitely, I uh, always wanted to be a goalie once, uh, my brother sucked me in there. Now, at what point, what age was that? And at what point did it become something where, you know, I was looking at some of the goalie coaches you work with and it's a long list. What, what, at what point did it become something where you were, you know, thinking, setting goals and thinking this was something you'd be doing for a long time? And what were some of the more influential voices along that path? Yeah, well, I guess I started playing more in grade two. And then by the time I was a goalie, it was a little bit later, like grade five or six. Uh, switched to girls around grade six. Um, but yeah, I guess the people that helped me along the way, there's a lot <laughs> out there. But I think uh, for sure, when I was younger, I would always go into like GDI goalie sessions in Winnipeg a couple times a week. Uh, I was constantly, even at that age, like I had my sights set on the national team, probably in grade seven. Like I knew that U18s would be an option in grade nine or 10. So I was constantly doing extra and driving a couple hours, like four times a week for these sessions, uh, working with goalie coaches out of GDI. And then um, I guess around like grade seven, eight, I was like, I want to go to prep school. Like I want to play division one hockey. I want to make you 18s. Like that was a serious thought for me. I ended up moving to prep school in grade 10. So I moved away from home at age 15 
uh, to Winnipeg, which isn't too far, but that was a big sacrifice, but I knew that I wanted to uh, play division one and make the national team. I worked with Gord Woodhull out of Winnipeg. He was a big influence on me. He was my goalie coach there. And then now he's with the U18 Canadian team and we still uh, talk quite a bit and he's a big uh, mentor for me. And then I guess uh, when I went to North Dakota, uh, I worked with uh, JP Lamru and he's now like playing overseas, but uh, I trained a lot with his sisters, like the twins, and they were huge influences on me. And it was great having him out there too, because obviously he's super knowledgeable on the position. But yeah, I mean, then I go to Wisconsin and again, I have a lot of great coaches around me and um, able to work with when I come home in the summers at the ice lab in Winnipeg with Andy Kohler. Uh, then right now, like I have Brad Kirkwood, who's literally incredible and <laughs> we get to work with him every single day out here. And then I moved to Calgary actually when I graduated from Wisconsin. So, uh, I got to work with him this whole past year and he's been able to just take my game to that next level. So, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of people I could go on and on about it, but I think that everyone gives you something different and add something to your toolbox. So it's been great. Well, and it sounds like that's been the approach is just to seek out as many voices. And I guess. The question that I would ask is, you know, what advice would you give to other young goalies? Because um, that can be a challenge sometimes when you work with a lot of different coaches. Um, sometimes you get different opinions, like you said, tools in the toolbox, but not every tool is for every goaltender. So what's the best way to go about that, to approach working with new coaches, keeping an open mind, but also, I guess, staying true to what you think are your strengths and roots of your game? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I said, when I was younger, like I was always pulling on every possible string I could. And then when I made it to college level, my sports psychologist was kind of like, okay, like you got to reel it in. Like you're working with too many different people and it's a lot. So I think then is when I got serious about, okay, I'm going to make my little circle a little bit tighter and kind of pull on the things that are benefiting me the most. So I think that that's kind of what kind of reeled me in. And you just have to know, like, you could go and get pretty much help from every single possible person. But at the end of the day, it's like, what are you most comfortable with and what's growing your game the most? So I kind of made my circle a little bit smaller and knew what my strengths were and uh, leaned on the people that I trusted the most uh, to kind of uh, make my (laughs) uh, life a little bit more simple because I'm not the simplest person and I can kind of overcomplicate things. So Definitely. It's good to have people who kind of reel me in and tell me like less is more is something that I've heard quite a bit from my coaches. So I was wondering about that, right? Cause like you said, like it is, it can be a fine line between no stone unturned and always trying to improve and getting caught, maybe chasing change a little bit rather than coming back to what makes you great. So if, if I were to ask, what are those foundations for you that you've come back to do you have them sort of itemized? Like, can you identify what this is, what the strength of my game is, and this is what I come back to as my quote unquote foundation? Yeah, for sure. I guess like growing up too, it was always position for me. Like I was always known as a very technical goalie. Um, I think over the last like three, four years, I've been able to expand that out where I'm not just black and white technical. Like I'm more athletic now. And that's something that I am uh, have been working on adding to my game. But I think that when I do find myself, um, if I'm kind of like questioning things, I just come back to like the basics. Like I'll start doing like basic drills with my goalie coaches, like just like eyes on pucks, basically like eyes first. And I think that 
um, kind of like even in centralization, like we have such a progressive plan that every single day, like uh, Brad has such a like roadmap for us of what we're doing that day that it really makes it easy to uh, improve your game and then obviously like own your own strengths. And he's really big about like owning what we're good at and making us better that way and not changing like the foundation of our game. Now, the last time I saw Brad uh, with a national team and, and recorded some drills that we ran at in goal, it involved eyes closed and making some movements with the eyes closed. Is that, is that what have I have, is he still using that? Is that one you guys use? Yeah. Yeah. We still do that for warm up actually. And then in the summer we were doing that quite a bit, but no, I like that a lot because it's literally incorporating the visualization aspect, but out on the ice. So, mm-hmm. okay. I was curious. I seemed like it would fit with sort of the strengths and what you like to do. So it just popped into my head there. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned North Dakota and obviously some adversity with the program ending there. But before before we get to that, I wanted to ask you about the time with obviously JP, who we know and we've had on the podcast, uh, a GDI guy as well from from his roots um, and, and his sisters, the Lamaru twins. Um, what did you learn? You mentioned you know your experiences there being really important. What specifically did you learn? And going up against two of the best shooters in the world at a young age, and now at the centralization camp with the team and the centralized team facing the best shooters in the world on a daily basis. Are there lessons there for other goalies? Cause that can be unforgiving in some drills, I would imagine. So how do you approach that and make sure you're getting the most out of that opportunity rather than being like, some of those drills are probably like not goalie friendly and they're picking spots. And so how do you balance that? Yeah. I mean, whenever I skated with them, like, it was just an incredible adrenaline rush. Like I wanted them to give me like those hardest possible situations. Like, I guess I learned so much from them and I knew that my goal was to make it to the Olympic stage and just everything that they had gone through. I knew that, um, kind of like that quote, it's kind of, I'm a quote person, but like that every shot, um, you take is sowing that seed. And that's kind of what my approach was. Like, I don't care. Like, they're going to score sometimes like they're the best shooters in the world. Um, but every time I make that save, like I'm getting that little bit better. So I pushed myself to, um, it was challenging for sure. Like I was a freshman when I started skating with them, but I think that even watching them, like when they were on the Olympic stage and in those big moments, you could tell that they're coming through in those pressure situations because of how dialed in they are in practice. Like there's no reps off for them. And that's kind of how my mentality was out there too. Like I'm not taking any reps off. Like I'm going to compete my 110% on every puck that's thrown at me. So we definitely, uh, it's funny because they would thank me for skating with them. (laughs) And I was like, no, like, thank you for skating with me. Like it was such a give and take and we pushed each other and really uh, competed at a high level every time we got the chance. And then, Obviously, having uh, Phil out there was a huge benefit, and he would send video, um, do video with me. He just really wanted me to succeed, and he really believed in me, which was huge. Um, and we still talk now, too. So it's just such a great support system, and I consider all of them family now. Now, you got you had the rug pulled out from under you there at North Dakota, as did a lot of players on on that team when they canceled the program. And then, you know, again, you go to Wisconsin, you win a national championship, all kinds of accolades, and it, it got pulled out from you again with the pandemic and not getting to finish your final season there coming off a, a national championship. As tough as those situations are, do you get, you know, they always get stronger through adversity? Like, is, is that a real thing or... Do, 
you know, do, do, are there lessons there that you can apply forever or is it just sometimes life sucks, it's not fair and how you move forward? No, I think, yeah, there's a ton of lessons from both experiences. Um, at North Dakota, when that all happened, obviously it was super unfortunate, but I knew that it wasn't over for me and I knew that wherever I'd end up, I'd want to make the most of it and accomplish the goals I had set for myself. So obviously that experience, I think, helped me again when the COVID shutdown happened and there was a lot of deja vu moments when that happened and just feeling kind of like this isn't how it's supposed to end kind of thing. And I think I leaned on that though and knew that, okay, well, I still have a lot ahead of me and a lot of things I want to accomplish. So as soon as that happened, kind of, I shifted my focus onto, all right, well, my college career is over now. I want to make the Olympic team and really put everything I had into accomplishing that goal. So I think for sure, like, even though those adverse moments happen, you learn so much from them and they're going to help you along the road when you face something even more challenging or similar. You've mentioned goal setting a lot of times during this conversation from right back when you got passionate about the position, setting the national team as a goal to, like you said, what's the next goal after university ends? Um, are those things you write down? Like, how do you approach goal setting? Do you, do you formalize them? Um, how do you manage goal setting? Because there's a lot of people out there that like to set goals, but don't necessarily take the steps to reach them. So how do you, how do you make sure that that process remains somewhat linear for you, even on far out goals? Yeah, no, I've always been really big into the think it ink it. So as soon as I have something that I want to accomplish, I'm writing it pretty much everywhere I possibly can. Um, I remember I was like 15 years old and I got or 16 maybe, but I'd been cut from the U18 team and I like started writing right out like I'll make this U18 team for the world championships. And then I said I'll make the Olympic team in 2022. I set all these like outcome goals and framed them and I still have that frame. And I think that the biggest thing for me is, like you said, you can write goals down all day and like, that's not what does it. It's when it's really engraved inside of you and um, you want it so bad that you're willing to sacrifice and pretty much do anything to get there. That's when it's going to happen. So writing it down is just a step, but I think I've also been a daily goal setter. I'll do like three daily goals every single day and check in with myself at the end of the day if I accomplish those. But yeah, for sure, I'm big in doing process goals and outcome goals, but like you said, you have to take steps each day um, to get there. You can't just write it down. What does that look like for today, for example? Have you written them down for today? I'd be curious what three goals looks like for you at this moment today. A, kill this interview, which you're already doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, last night, because I always journal at the end of each night. So I always do kind of like three things for what's next. And those are the three goals. But uh, my family's in town, so it's an off day for us. I want to have breakfast with them and kind of catch up because I haven't seen a lot of them uh, this year. And then uh, just kind of do some recovery. I'll do Norma Tech, maybe some yoga. Uh, I might do some vision training because we're back on the ice tomorrow. But yeah, I just kind of recover today. Those are the <laughs> goals and then be ready to go for the tournament this weekend. On that note, I need to let you go then because I might be keeping you from that breakfast with your family. But I did want to ask one more because after you went to Wisconsin, I read a story about iPads and you bringing your iPad, your own personal iPad. We've seen coaches bring video out, but you would bring your own out to record sessions. I'm curious what specific value you saw and where video fits into your preparation even now, years, you know, a few years later. Um, whether it's an iPad or, you know, I read that, uh, and Andy, uh, your coach back in Winnipeg, his phone, he said, I read a quote where he said his phone is always full because you're always sending him video. So 
how important is video to you? And obviously, it must matter if you took the steps to get your own video. I think that's something other goalies can do. I think a lot of times younger goalies just, hey, either my coach does or doesn't. Yeah, no, for sure. I've always been really big into video, even when I was in grade like six, like my mom would, I would ask her to videotape my GDI sessions on like her digital camera. So she'd literally take video clips and I would watch those after the sessions. But I think it's just important to be able to see yourself from like the outside view, because sometimes we're really hard on ourselves and we don't realize like how things look. Like, I feel like in my head, sometimes I make it seem like it looks so much worse than it actually looks on the video. And then when I see the video, I'm like, okay, like I actually... I'm doing better at that than I thought. Um, so I find it helpful in that sense. And then also just being able to help with your visualization. So uh, if you're not doing well at something, like we've been working a lot on post play lately, like a lot of reverse VHs, a lot of VH plays, uh, drives off the wall. Like you can really watch like where you might not be stealing the post correctly and kind of like see, okay, or when you do it well, like this is what I need to hit every single time. So Brad does a great job. He takes clips every single day. Like we get clips at the end of every single day, pretty much. And you can watch like uh, your puck touches. But thing with him too, is like he doesn't like us overanalyzing. And that's something that I am pretty good at. (laughs) So I kind of have to reel myself in and not uh, get too focused on the video. But I think for sure as a younger goalie, like you can use video to your advantage. It's good to watch um, yourself like in practice drills or if you have any game footage, but it's like looking for the right things. Like you don't want to just be watching video all day and not be getting anything out of it. So I always watch the video and kind of take away two or three good things that I think I'm doing really well at. And then two or three things that I want to hit the next day that I'm going to make better for the next time I get video. So, Okay. And this is actually the last one. Same coach said he really loved your and wanted other young goalies at, at his school and his camps to emulate your holistic approach to goaltending. I think we've touched on a lot of those elements, but what to you does that mean? Because I'd never heard it phrased that way in terms of goaltending, and yet it seems to be how you have embraced the position and the role it plays in your life. Yeah, I mean, ever since I was young, like it's been such a huge part of my life, but I think uh, I kind of incorporate like everything you possibly can like into it, I guess. Like I also... I'm huge into yoga, um, (laughs) big into that. Like my strength and conditioning side is pretty intense. Like, again, I've worked with so many different great strength and conditioning coaches and kind of pulled a lot from all of them. So have a great mobility routine I do, and then kind of find like different conditioning workouts that make me feel good and make me feel at my best. So I'm kind of always doing extra on that side too. And then I guess the vision training part of it, the mental side of the game, again, pulling on all these different uh, faucets that can make you a better goaltender. But yeah, I mean, hearing him say that, I've never heard that either too. But I think that it's just knowing that like mentally, you can always get better in some sort. Physically, you can. Um, Just every aspect, uh, trying to make myself more of like a 365, not only goalie, but a person too, and doing different things uh, just to make me overall better. Well, I think listening to this interview is going to make a lot of young goaltenders overall better. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, So many incredible takeaways about the way you approach the position and the various ways that you work on a daily basis to get better. Like I said, we got a lot of parents that listen to this podcast on the way to the rink with their young goaltender. 
And I think this is one they're going to be queuing up on repeat uh, over the years for a while. So thanks so much in the middle of a busy schedule and crazy international travel for taking the time to share so many of those insights with us. It's sincerely appreciated. I was going to, I know you've got a visualization for the Olympics. We'll save that one for after they're over and, 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 and trust and know that they're going to come true just like everything else has. Yeah, no, it sounds amazing. Thanks so much for having me. If you can think it, ink it. We're all running out to get tattoos. I actually come on, Hutch. Hutch, come on, Hutch. Hutch you and I, you get buddy tattoos. There's only one. Only one of us on this panel has tattoos. Clearly, Woody get is uh, taking Kristen Campbell's advice, I, uh, or maybe you and I just don't think very much, Darren. <laughs> or we have pens, yeah. and we write stuff. I think she meant the journal, Woody. Come on, boys, get on the team. Get on the team. I'm getting more work done on Wednesday. Let's go. Fire it up. I can just see Hutch. I, I, I'm trying to envision the, uh, the interesting part, uh, oh, there's a lot of different, uh, nuggets in there, but just being able to look at yourself and, and work with other people to back off Woody and, and, and try and, and do less. That's a hard thing to do when you, when you're wired that way. Well, I mean, her, I mean, she's trying her less might be more than a lot yeah. of people, but you know, that. I applaud the willingness to try different things. And then also to recognize, you know, that sometimes we've heard it from Thatcher Demko. We've heard it from all kinds of goalies. Sometimes too much is too much. And so um, then yeah. picking the ones that you do back off on. And that goes with goalie coaches too, right? Like you, you heard her talk about working with so many different people over the years. And at some point you have to sort of, as much as you want to embrace all the new voices and new ideas, you have to sort of n narrow your focus and get down to what you know and trust to be your foundation. So well, that's a theme that we've revisited a lot over the years with goalies who you know end up working with different coaches, sometimes of their own choosing um, in her case, and sometimes because you're bouncing around pro teams and you got different coach you know, a couple times a year. So um, important lessons there throughout. And like you said, Hutch, uh, so many different, things that again not saying every goalie has to go try everyone because there is a lesson there in in too much being too much but a lot of different ideas whether it's journaling the way she organizes her days the vision training like a lot of different approaches that some goalies are going to benefit from trying that they maybe haven't heard before and the visual training is an area that we want to focus on right now with uh, dr chris wu uh, out of calgary hutch we do. Uh, Chris himself, as you'll hear, is a member of the goalie union. He was uh, a junior goaltender. Uh, we were put together by our good friend Peter Martin of Pro Skate Goal in Calgary, a, a great shop in Calgary. Uh, Peter himself, a former professional goaltender. And uh, he wanted us to meet when we happened to be in town, and he just loves the work that Chris is doing. And and so we've had sort of a conversation off and on now for for quite a while. And this sort of seemed like the week because he he is one of the people that Kristen works with and sort of the chance to tie the two together made it uh, a really nice double dip here on Black Friday. It's the BOGO interview day. And um, I, I just think this is a really good one for everybody to listen to because Chris gives us just a great background of the importance of the visual system. You know, we I think it's something we all take for granted. I don't think anybody would ever say that vision doesn't matter for a goaltender, but I don't think many people really understand um, the depth to which that can all go. 
And, uh, and so Chris gives us just a little bit of a background. He sort of whets our appetite, I'd say, for all of this. He's going to follow up later on over the next uh, several months with some articles for those who want to dive a little bit deeper into the science of vision. And, uh, and this week, he even gives us one simple little exercise we'll talk about maybe afterwards that uh, people can try at home as well. So uh, I think one of the nice things, just to tie it back to Kristen, that, that he does talk about, though, is you, know, you can do all the things, but you don't have to do all the things all the time. And so Kristen's not in Chris's office seven days a week working on her vision training. Um, he's, he's giving you some tools that you can work on a few times a week. And if you only do it for a few minutes, when you do it, it's going to make a big difference over time. So, uh, I, I think the most important system for goaltenders has to be their vision. And, and I think, uh, I, after doing the interview, having already met Chris before having already, uh, looked at a number of these things, I still had this, uh, desire to peruse the air Canada website and hop on a plane and go to Calgary to see Chris. Um, I'm just really excited about the possibilities. Doesn't quite have the same sort of ring that uh, think it and ink it, but peruse and do it does peruse it does and do kind it kind of yeah yeah yeah. Th- there's a method to the madness. It's part two of our feature interview on this Bogo uh, edition of In Goal Radio, the podcast. Doctor Chris Wu, Calgary-based optometrist, talking vision training with David Hutchison. Our guest today is uh, Dr. Chris Wu. He's a Calgary-based optometrist. His company, Eye to Eye Optometry and Vision Development, is focused on improving the visual abilities of students, athletes, and individuals to help them succeed. And most importantly today, Chris is a member of the goalie union himself. He uh, spends a lot of time training goaltenders as well, and uh, including today's other podcast guest, Canadian national team goaltender, Kristen Campbell. Good afternoon, Chris, and welcome to In Goal Radio Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be on here. It's been, uh, we've been playing this for a while, so it's great that we finally found some time to connect. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of uh, email tag to set this up. And, and, you know, before we dive into talking about goaltender's vision, we, we should also note that it was our mutual friend, Pete Martin of Pro Skate Goal in Calgary, that uh, connected us at one of his events. So I want to thank Peter for that and for all he's done for us in the past. Chris, can you just, first off, why don't you just tell us a bit of your background uh, First as a goaltender, and then maybe what uh, led you from there into optometry and ultimately working with athletes? Uh, so my background is uh, I played hockey uh, for the edge school uh, when I was younger for the first ever hockey team. And I played quadrant as well. Uh, and then I'm a goaltender myself. And then what happened was uh, I went to junior. They were trying to trade me to uh, Manitoba, and I decided to uh, go to university. You know, I just uh, I had the grades and uh, – I started to go pursue my career in optometry. Optometry was four years uh, undergraduate, and then it's another four years uh, of optometry. Um, I didn't really plan to go back into sports per se right off the bat. Um, you're just trying to survive, you know, school, and you're just trying to make sure you get through and pass national board exams. And For sure. uh, what ended up happening was uh, in optometry, there's subspecialties, so. Some optometrists specialize in like disease. Uh, some sp- optometrists specialize uh, in contact lenses, and uh, most of them are just routine glasses and normal contact lenses. And there's a subspecialty called vision therapy or vision training, and that's kind of where it really sparked my interest in my third year. And uh, that's when I started doing some uh, 
not so much extracurriculars, but I, I definitely plan my rotations and my externship experience around vision training. So I went to Oklahoma uh, City my fourth year, and we did uh, eye training uh, with kids with reading disabilities. Okay. And then I went to San Antonio uh, as part of my program too, my fourth year, and we worked with uh, concussion rehabilitation with uh, war veterans. You know, so in the U.S., they have their own hospital system for their veterans. And so we work as a team with other uh, professionals and try to get them rehab. So that's, that's pretty much how uh, my story goes. I think that all goaltenders have sort of a surface understanding of, of why vision is important to us. But, but you go way deeper than a basic eye exam with your local eye doctor, right? And, and you're, the kind of training you're doing here is a, is a lot more than juggling balls off the wall. So I, I wonder if maybe the best place to start, though, is just to uh, talk about what it's like to work with you. What, what's it like when, say, Kristen Campbell, this week's other guest, walks into your office for the first time or Talon Boyko, recent New York Rangers draft pick. Uh, what's it like when they call you and ask you for, for some help? Uh, for so, for, so when a lot of patients come in, they'll, they'll, you know, the first step is we just do their eye exam uh, just to make sure their contact lenses or their, their vision's good. Um, and a lot, of that, a lot of the time when we do that exam, I'm actually always asking to see what contact lenses they're using. Okay. Um, a lot of people don't know that there's actually contact lenses are categorized in four different classes. And so we had one athlete part of the Anaheim duck system. He was getting goop in his eye every 30, 40 minutes. And uh, we just switched him to a different class of contact. And now he can play his games without pulling mucus, out, mucus strands out of his eyes. And uh, so we do that first. Um, and then when we get into the sports vision side of things, then we start doing uh, testing to test for, eye muscle strength, so uh, how well their eyes can converge and diverge. Uh, that's one set of muscles. Uh, we also test uh, ocular motor stuff, so how well their eyes can move left and right together, uh, you know, depth perception. We test the accommodative system, which is like your, it's like I kind of call it the autofocus of your eyes. Okay. Uh, so we kind of test how well you can keep things clear as they're coming away or further away from you. Um, so that's kind of the basic optometry side of things. And uh, we and then the next step is we can actually test a percentile rank, how your vision is against other athletes of similar skill level. So, mm. uh, for example, if Kristen comes in or Talon, you know, they come in and we can test their eyes against other WHL or Olympians and uh, see is a reaction time in the top 10 percentile? Is your depth perception in the top 10 percentile? Is your peripheral vision in the bottom 15th percentile? Um, and we measure all those parameters uh, from the traditional optometry testing and our advanced stuff. And then we design a program based around them. And uh, we typically uh, try to tell our athletes that it, it is a lot of work because we have to teach them from scratch uh, how their eye muscles work and what muscles are used for certain things and uh, how we can try to improve certain situations. So uh, we try to ask them, you know, who's your goalie coach? Like, uh, and or what what techniques are using, and uh, we try to develop a program um, with their uh, technique uh, to try to help improve their vision. But I'm not trying to teach them technique technical things. No. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to learn more about their background and how they stop the puck. Because in Calgary, you know, there are different goaltending companies here, mm -hmm. and they all teach different things. And I and I'm not uh, in the position to teach or invent goaltending techniques. So my goal is to really learn uh, or know who's who's teaching them and then try to uh, work around that it sounds already that this is very different from a typical eye exam and and i guess what you're saying is that 
it's possible to see 2020 but still not have optimal vision to be a goaltender yeah um based on the uh american optometry association they've described that there's actually 16 or up to 16 visual areas that high performance athletes use and uh we we try to identify out of those areas is there an area that is having trouble um seeing 2020 is just how far can you see you know mm-hmm. and uh when it comes to playing goal, any any high performance sport, uh, there we want to know is it their focusing ability, uh, or is it their ability to turn their eyes in, or do they have a dead spot in their depth perception? Uh, are they having trouble, uh, you know, seeing around them? Are they having tunnel vision? Uh, so can we change those things uh, or improve those parameters so when they play a game they can uh, get some better uh, stats and some wins. Sounds good. And, and I think it's fair to say, as you mentioned, you, you work with high performance athletes in all sports, not just goaltending, even though you have a particular expertise. Is it possible to describe what some of these things might feel like on the ice? I mean, do you know that, that you have an issue when you're playing or is it just sort of a sense that things could be better? So I think for the athletes, well, I think the first thing that I've noticed is, is a, it's first of all, it's a philosophy thing. You know, uh, if you believe your eyes can't be trained, then they'll just chalk it to something else. You know, they'll say, you know what? I don't think eyes are trainable. I think it's more of my mental state of mind. And that's totally okay. You know, uh, it could be that mental state of mind, but some athletes, the athletes I do see, um, they're especially, you know, Chris and her talent or, you know, other NHL goalies like Johnson I've trained in the past. Like they're very sensitive to those changes. So they go, yeah, I am having trouble um, tracking or I'm having trouble in scrambles or they've noticed these things and they've talked to their goaltending coach um, or whatever coach they have and uh, they go you know I just can't I'm having trouble and that's when uh, a lot of the time the goaltending coaches will send their clients to me to work on specific areas and so I think it really comes down to philosophy uh, and also if the goalie sense enough for it if they do see something uh, I think anything visually if someone's having trouble uh, they should at least get an eye exam because we do get a lot of hockey players who haven't had an eye exam for like two or three years mm. and they can't see past, you know, 10 feet. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so some, something just simple like that, you know, if it's blurry or they're having trouble focusing or sometimes they'll see their vision go in and out or uh, a common one that my higher level athletes will say is they just they try to track a puck into their glove and they don't see it for, you know, a split second or they can't follow it all the way. And I think those are some of the early signs and symptoms that uh, some of our goaltenders show. Do you think after you go through one of these exams with with one of your students, you'd be able to sort of say, this is what I'm seeing. By any chance, are you having a little bit of trouble high glove? Are you struggling a little bit on, as you said, those scrambles? Do you think you can predict a little bit about what's going on? Yeah, I think for our parameters that we test... um, you know, in terms of focusing or depth perception, like we, uh, and cross-referencing, you know, uh, it, it usually does give us a, some insight of why, you know, uh, some athletes are having trouble. Um, so, yeah, they have a uh, depth perception issue. Sometimes we don't see their eyes converge or diverge uh, properly. Okay. Uh, or someone's saying, yeah, like I'm having trouble, uh, you know, the puck hits their body and they're having trouble finding a rebound bouncing off their body. Uh, then we can say, okay, well, what's your focusing system like, or how well your eye muscles are turning out? Um, you're focusing your muscles and the muscles that turn your eyes in and outwards. They actually they're actually tied. So sometimes we have uh, one system dragging the other system 
down. Okay. So weakest you know, link sort of thing. Like, yeah, they're kind of mm-hmm. like brother sister. So we try to, you know, if you have one sibling that's a little bit worse, it kind of makes both siblings look bad. So I think we we look at all those things kind of together, and we try to find those things. And sometimes we don't find anything. And I say, well, maybe it's maybe it's a psychological thing, right? Like you know, there's lots of ways. There's lots of things that unfortunately, you know, I, I'll never say, oh, they did sports vision. That's the hundred percent reason why they they're better this year. You know, maybe they're, uh, you know, maybe they're training, they change their training regimens or they're eating healthier. I think it's a combination of multiple factors for sure. But uh, for me, it's making sure uh, what I see in testing hopefully does correlate or associate to uh, what their um, on ice difficulties are. So, so back to Kristen, um, we, we are mentioned offline here, you know, what a hardworking athlete she is sort of a leave no stone unturned person. Uh, after she's been through that initial eye exam experience with you, what does her relationship with you look like? How often is she training? Is it with you? Is it at home? Yeah. So I think right now, uh, last year she was seeing me pretty much once a week. Uh, she was in Calgary and I think the women's league here, they're kind of in limbo with a lot of their tournaments and, and showcases. So this year, uh, fairly quite a bit until she made the team. And then when she made the team, I was still seeing her weekly. And then just recently, because they've been traveling so much, I haven't seen her quite as much. Um, I think they just came back from Finland, and now they're in Ottawa. And I think they just played the, the U.S. a few days ago. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, but we, we keep in touch. Uh, she'll text me. And, I, and this is what I do with all my athletes. Um, you know, if there's a, they're having trouble uh, with tracking or they're having trouble in a particular situation, um, they just email or text or whatever, and I can just tell them, hey, work on this exercise, or maybe should you do more of this program? Because all of our athletes, when they train with me, they do receive like a kit. Okay. And so this kit, uh, I know what's in it. So if there's some, um, uh, and it's portable. So if they are having trouble, I can tell them, hey, out of this kit in your hotel room, maybe you should work on this exercise a little bit. And it's not like 30 minutes or an hour. Just do it for five or 10 minutes and, and try to just get your eyes warmed up as well too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I've done. Like for example, we have one boy, uh, Maddie Davis in Denver, like he'll text me once in a while uh, and just say, Hey, what and these goalies, they, they just want to improve constantly. Sure. And I think that's a big reason why they're successful too. And so, so whether it's Kristen or any other athlete, it's sort of a combination of going to school and then getting some homework, so to speak in with you once a week ish. Yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. I think the big thing is um, with the training side of things, it's, it's definitely, you know, I think, there are lots of apps out there, um, but when it comes to stuff like that, what I do, like I really try to make it as personal as possible. Mm-hmm. And I don't see like a hundred athletes, you know, um, I do, you know, it's not my goal to see 2000 goaltenders. Like for, for myself, it's, I really try to take the time to ensure that the athletes are, that I see get the most out of their eyes. And, uh, and sometimes it is telling them to take more rest. You know, Kristen works really hard. And sometimes you get the days where you have to tell them to take more rest or, or and there's days where they're not doing well and you have to figure out, okay, well, from an optometry standpoint, what muscle system is uh, deficient? Can we work on it? Or can I give you some homework for five minutes and just do it for a couple of days? And that just gets your eyes warmed up. How often do you repeat those baseline tests to see where you rank versus the rest of the competition or yourself really? Uh, it depends. I think for certain athletes, the baselines we run, uh, we always run at the beginning and at the end if possible. And sometimes in the middle, um, usually training is about 
seven to eight weeks. So one at the very beginning and okay. then after like eight or nine weeks, we run it again. Right. And then if I feel the need that something's weird or unusual, then I'll run it in the middle as well too. Sure. And what, and what sort of gains might you see in a, in an eight week period? Uh, so, you know, it's really interesting. So, uh, from my experience, uh, we've seen gains between like five and 50% in certain areas such as perception or focusing ability. Uh, there was a study uh, with an NHL team in the past. Uh, they did strobe training. They they saw like up, I think eighteen percent gains within training camp. Uh, they've done university studies um, with players, not goalies, uh, but with the players. I think uh, it was an NCAA team. They had uh, increased shooting percentages, uh, scoring percentage, and more goals and assists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think their program wasn't relatively long either so you might lose your union card if you're helping too many of those players yeah exactly (laughs) we do have a few few players but you know i think for for the goal for the goalies you know it's it's uh goalies are you know i think for vision it's so it's it's part of their game you know and i think players are starting to think about some more so i think goalies do have to watch out you know but if you're a puck moving defenseman or if you're uh, a winger trying to find your, or if you're a centerman trying to find your wingers, you know, seeing seeing subtle changes, see, being a, get, being able to get your head up is huge. And I think for for goalies, uh, uh, I think it's just easier for goalies to think about. But most of my clients are goalies because they do want to see uh, every single puck, you know, possible. And if they don't see every single puck, they see a fraction of it, they can still react to it. Do you have a sense of where goaltenders fit sort of within the spectrum of other athletes, elite goaltenders? Um, compared to their peers in terms of vision? So I think when we talk about elite goalies, like uh, like goaltenders like Aiden Hill and Chad Johnson I've worked with yeah. versus some of our WHL guys or college guys, um, there, is a big, there is a big difference. Um, technique-wise, I can't say. I'm not you know, the greatest judge of technique because I'm not a goalie coach, but in terms of vision-wise and the precision they have with their body and their eyes, um, there's a big difference. And I think we see guys that are, you know, kind of at the junior level or college level versus guys who are in pro. Uh, from my experience, uh, a tenth of a second is all it takes mm-hmm. and the consistency. So when I see like pros working their, uh, their magic, they're consistent and they can perform, you know, at that highest level uh, versus, a, let's say, a college guy, they're probably one tenth off in terms of speed. Um, and their consistency isn't quite there. And I think when you think about a tenth of a second, that's all. That's all you need for the puck to go in the net. Sorry, when you're talking about a tenth of a second and consistency, that definitely translates on ice to something. Is is that something you're also measuring? Like, do you have a speed of focusing, for example, and a consistency of focusing? Or yeah, so we have like uh, all the a lot of the technology I use. Like, I can control it down to by tenth. So when we're doing training or when we're doing all these other um, aspects of vision training, um, you know, I'll usually, you know, after all these years, you kind of get an idea of what a triple A goalie can do, a midget, what a junior A college guy can do. And you start seeing what the pros can do. And really, you know, in my experience, it's coming down to, you know, a tenth, you know, maybe a tenth and a half, you know, uh, of a second. Um, and they're just able to fire their eyes and their neurons just that much faster. Um, and more consistently. Um, so we have some of our athletes use our touchscreen pro, uh, programs. Um, the 10th definitely shows up in there, maybe two tenths in some cases too. 
And I think that's where we, that's where I can really push some of these uh, athletes um, to get that extra tent uh, somewhere. And hopefully that's through the eyes and through their brain. How much is that limited by genetics and how much is limited by training? Can you take that midget AAA goalie, not mentioning anybody specific, but can you get them up there? You know, it's really hard to say. Like, it's kind of like glasses, you know, how much is the environment and how much sure. genetics? Yeah. It's really hard to say. Like, we do know there is a genetic component, but I, you know, there's no, it's very hard to quantify is it genetics or training, you know? And I think all that I can try to do is bring as much out of the athlete as possible and uh and hopefully they pass their their ceiling you know and but uh you it's really hard to know okay now i know you're a busy man and i don't want to take up too much of your time here but i gotta ask a, a, a just a couple more if that's okay yeah no worries is it is it possible just even on the podcast here today for you to leave us with one or two things that uh, kids could be doing at home just to work on their vision so i think the first thing is uh well one tip is from the optometry side so Statistics tell us that half the world will be nearsighted by 2050. So half the world will need glasses to see far away. So the, from the health side, I would tell patients, please play outside. They do, they do see that children who play outside uh, more uh, do have lower, a slower progression of a nearsightedness. So oh, I, wow. you know, that's kind of like the health bit. <laughs> um, okay. But uh, I think from the uh, sports vision training side, I think it's just really important to um, just do basic exercises. You know, lots of patients will do um, Brock strings. I think it's really important for patients to um, just move their eyes a little bit, not just get locked onto a cell phone or a computer screen all day. So, so the string, can you tell me about the string? Cause we've seen that before, but never with detail. Yeah. So what a Brock string does is uh, it t- teaches your eyes how to turn in and turn out. Okay. And that's um, the convergence and divergence. Exactly. So you take a string, you know, maybe that's like three or four feet long. And the traditional way in optometry is you tie it to a door handle. Um, I tell my athletes, you should try to tie it to like the leg of a chair. So it's more accurate to the puck coming off. Oh, okay. And 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 what you do with that is you just put beads on it and put them about a foot apart. And you're just going to have your eyes turn in and focus on each bead. And what you should be, looking for is an x so you should see one string from the left one string from the right cross through the middle and then exit uh, out on the left and right and you should place the center of that x on a bead and the hardest the easiest one is jumping between beads but the next level is actually moving that that x up and down the string about a centimeter per second uh, that means you start having fine control okay. versus this big gross control. Because if you do it by every foot, that means your eye muscles are learning how to control every foot. Right. But if you can move it a centimeter per second and not have this X jump ar- around on the string, then you're starting to learn fine motor control with your eye muscles. And I think that that one's a tough one. That's when we start seeing a lot of dead spots and a lot of uh, athletes' vision. It's a great one. Maybe, maybe I, I know you're going to do a few articles for us here at Ingle now going forward. So. Maybe that could be yeah, one of them. Be, could... I think uh, it'll be exciting. Like I do want to explain more about the science, and uh, we're you know we're we're trying to in the past. A lot of the, a lot of people don't know. Like you know, there's six eye muscles on the outside. They have dual functions. You know, it's not just one muscle does one thing. You know, one muscle may move up and twist. And there's different eye muscle patterns. You know, we talk about saccades or pursuits, or there's ones tied in with head rotation, and there's lots of. Uh, and depending on what's going on, you use different eye movements. 
And I think for, for us, for me, is really to explain and, and tell the goaltending world, you know, that there, there's lots of things that probably, uh, that can help your goaltenders um, improve their game. And I think uh, the one thing I would probably say, another tip is, you know, not just uh, play outside, but I would always recommend athletes to, if you really want to see, like, it's like, it's like getting winter tires for your car, you know, uh, you know, or getting new tires for your car, it improves performance. You know, getting the right set of contact lenses does make a difference. Um, you know, the materials are different. The curvature is different. Um, so one might fit tighter or looser, just like, you know, one pad might be tighter or looser depending on the lake channel. You know, um, I always tell uh, athletes too, breathability is different. Uh, there's a value for breathability and contact lenses. And so if you're suffering from dryness, you know, go out there and tell your optometrist, I want to switch brands because you could switch brands and, you know, pay your optometrist, I don't know how much money, probably a little, little bit of money. And you could save maybe five more goals uh, and not wear this 10-year-old model, right? Because contact lenses don't change every year. So, we, you know, so a lot of the time I, uh, I, I always advocate, you know, make, you know, if you're not going to do any vision training, at least make sure your optometrist is putting you in the right, thing, right year. You know, I don't want to wear uh, pads from the 80s, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I wouldn't want that, you know. Uh, and it's the same thing for your contact lenses, right? No, we were just talking about the exercises and, and, and we've got one we've sent people away with. But um, I, I did want to ask, what's Braden Holtby doing? Or Connor Hellebuck? Uh, and you know what I mean? Sitting on the bench there before a game and the eyes are darting everywhere. Can you yeah, translate that so, professionally for our readers, listeners? So I think for myself, I don't, I don't work with them personally. No, but my, yeah. my assumption would be is they're either trying to just move their eye muscles to warm them up. Or if they're working on looking at different targets in the arena, um, they're just working on their saccadic function. Okay. So going from point A to point B. So uh, it's just working on quick eye movement and their accuracy. And focusing. That could be it as well too. And focusing, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's my guess is they're trying to warm it up. You know, I think uh, Kristen, she doesn't, I don't think she does that uh, to my knowledge for warm up, but she does use um, a program to warm up her eyes before games uh, or practices. And do you have a recommended solution you have for your, your athletes? So I think for, for my clients for pregame, I really don't let, I let them choose what they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's what's comfortable for them. You know, some of my guys do, some guys, my other guys don't, they feel like their eyes are too tired. Uh, they kind of figure out how much vision training they want to do as well too. Uh, historically, we try not to do vision training the day of a game because their eyes are too tired. Okay. Uh, and they don't track as well because some guys, some of the guys come away with headaches as well too, because it's so strenuous. So, uh, we usually don't do it the day of. Uh, some of my athletes will maybe do some warm up the night before. I think uh, Kristen, she does neuro trackers and you know she does her own routine the game, you know, day day of, you know. And I think uh, it's important for some guys to just be in their comfort level, you mm-hmm. know. And I don't want to, so I don't really touch much on that. You know, I give them the tools, mm-hmm. and that's really up to them on how they want to incorporate it. Because uh, it's like me telling an athlete you should be eating ravioli before their game. You know, like that's not really my uh, judgment call. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I, I like that. Um, and, and, uh, I love your, I mean, the biggest takeaway I hope for a lot of parents listening to this would be, uh, get outside and play outside. I have to say, uh, with so many kids living on their cell phone, flipping through TikTok and Instagram, is there an amount of time that you would tell a, an elite goaltender, if you want to perform well tonight, you got to put that phone down now. Do they need to do it in the morning, in the afternoon, an hour before the game? 
it's so hard with like some of the younger guys because their school's so tied into their for sure you know like their schoolwork is and and if you're like a junior goalie like you're taking classes on the road and stuff it's it's tough it is Um, i don't really have uh you know again i don't have like oh you gotta be off your phone by this time like i think i leave that up to the athletes um i think for myself it's if you're doing anything on the computer for me it's you know being productive uh, there are like apps like concentration grids that you can sure. download for free. And those are great, you know, just to get your scanning going and your mind and your memory going as well too. And they take like a minute, they're really short, you know, so those are kind of nice to have, but uh, yeah, there's no, uh, you know, I think there's recommendations on, you know, how much screen time teenagers and young kids should have. But when it comes to professional athletes, it's really hard to to tell them that because they don't do any of those studies on professional athletes to my to my knowledge. Uh, and I, I just don't want to mess around with their pregame routine. You know, it's so it's such a personal thing, you know, for them. I was just trying to lob a softball in there on behalf of all the parents, just to say, put your phones <laughs> down at lunchtime every day of a game or something. But, I think, uh, I think the biggest thing for the parents is if you don't want their, again, if you don't want your kids to have their glasses worse and just, you know, or as much, yeah. you know, play outside, yeah. you know, when you're over uh, minus six, you know, in glasses, your chance of detached retinas do go up. So it's really important to, yeah, so it's really important to uh, – high myopia is one of the biggest risk factors for detachments and tears of the retina. So huh. it's really important to uh, to try to combat that as much as we can. Oh, wow. Uh, right now, we've seen a lot of kids because uh, of their screen time. Uh, even – usually don't get glasses, uh, um, but we've seen six- and seven-year-olds who usually don't get glasses start coming to wear glasses now. And I think it's because of uh, all the screen time from COVID and all the near work. So – Wow. Well, yeah. That's a good, so I, that's I a good try one. to help the parents as much as I can, you know, <laughs> it's just play outside and it's good for your health. And it's good for, you know, just, you know, you're just playing catch or just doing something else. It's, it's good. You know, it's good for your body and just getting more, becoming more athletic in general. Absolutely. For your goaltending in all respects. Well, um, Dr. Chris Wu, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all that. I really look forward to, uh, continuing to stay in touch and be able to share some of your, your knowledge with our listeners and our readers. Uh, in the meantime, if anybody wants to, um, get in touch with you maybe work with you what would they need to do um the best thing would just probably uh you can give my office a call in calgary at 403-475-3937 uh or you can just email us or reach us at our website at www.ieye-to-eye.ca um, and I'm, I'm always open to questions, you know, and just helping parents out. And if, if it's not sports related, if it's just eye related, then, you know, that's, that's important for me to just make sure those are, those things are taken care of as well. You know, but I do look forward to writing some articles here, uh, throughout the year and, uh, just trying to educate parents on, uh, their eyes and the muscles and all the systems involved. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. We'll, we'll obviously have links, uh, for all of that, for people in our show notes, if they want to follow up they can also contact us at podcast at ingoalmag.com and we'll pass questions on maybe maybe even a little q a one day down the road for chris yeah thank chris thanks so much look forward to staying in touch all right thank you so much take care nice to hear some respect coming off uh chris and Kristen uh with the the end of the interview as opposed to what Cam did. So uh, I, I appreciate it. We've come a long way in our conversations today on this episode of Ingold Radio, the podcast. And Chris, 
Uh, we should also make sure for those in the Calgary area is a uh, practicing optometrist. You can go to him. You can get your eyes tested. The uh, the eye chart, uh, like a J on top or uh, a C and uh, a B, like you go down the list in the line five. Uh, do you guys ever guess on that? Be honest. Do you guys guess or are you trying? I've, I've reached the age where I usually tell the guy I'm guessing. I don't want to. I don't want to get the wrong glasses. It's not like right, you're trying exactly. to win a competition. We, we, you go through that time in your life where you're like, I, I gotta beat this thing, and now you're, well, how's that gonna help me in twenty minutes? Yeah, I, th- I think when you don't have glasses, you want to cheat it so you don't have to get them, and then once you have them, yeah. who cares? Just get it right. Let's 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 go down that list. Um, so Sensorina uh, and is a perfect uh, opportunity to uh, pivot off of uh, Dr. Chris Wu. Just again to remind everybody, uh, we had two for one interviews here this week uh, celebrating Black Friday because Sense Arena, who sponsors these interviews, has probably the best deal they've ever had on. Um, for the rest of the weekend, if you want to hop into Sense Arena, you can order it for a year and you will get your uh, Oculus 2 headset, you'll get your controllers, you'll even get the uh, fancy 3D printed um, sleeves that attach those controllers onto your goalie gloves for free. And just to remind everybody, Sensorina is even a sort of a two-for-one deal as well, because with your license, you get uh, two separate profiles you can set up on your Sensorina. So maybe you've got two goaltenders in the house that you want to track their stats and what they're doing. Or maybe, uh, you know, your son or daughter's a goaltender, but you happen to have been a forward defenseman, whatever. You can get into the player version just all for the price of that one license. So again, um, go over to Sensorina. Use the code IGM50 and you get another 50 bucks off your the already fantastic deal and you get your Oculus uh, for free. Just what a, what a great opportunity to get into Sense Arena. That's great news. And uh, over at Ingol Mag, we've got uh, all kinds of things uh, for people to peruse. You can peruse no new pro reads. We've added some voices. Cam Talbot. We got goalies coming through town. Access isn't quite what it used to be. Not in the locker room checking out the gear and sitting beside them in the locker room and having all these conversations. But we've got enough relationship. The guys are coming out even on game days to do video reviews. Thank you, Cam Talbot. Thank you, Braden Holpe. Um, and we'll have more of those coming on the pro read side. And also, Kim St. Pierre, fresh into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, first women's goaltender to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Got some tips from her in terms of how you get ready for big games, how you how do you build confidence from and in your teammates, both in practice and in a game. So tips and advice from Kim St. Pierre. Lots more coming in the next couple of weeks. We've had a lot of video sessions with goalie coaches in the last little while and just in the process of editing and getting those up. Uh, videos and drills from Curtis Sanford in the American Hockey League uh, with the Abbotsford Canucks. Ian Clark with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, We've got some other ones coming up here with uh, Dustin Schwartz working with Mike Smith, Ben Vanderklok with David Riddick, uh, Fred Brathwaite with Dylan Ferguson. So just in the process, a lot of video. takes a lot of time to get them ready, but we should have those coming up here as we head into December. And a good reminder that Ingold Mag premium membership makes a hell of a Christmas gift, folks. Yeah, and I was was just going to say Black Friday this week, there isn't a Black Friday special per se over at Ingol Mag, but if you were perusing the site and looking at the possibility of becoming a premium annual member, there's so much you get right now that you can hop into immediately. Like, how about, guys, we just published this week our 100th pro read. Really? The most 
the most sought out aspect, I think, of in goal, it's safe to say, uh, you know, I was talking to an NHL goalie coach this week who said it's, it's worth it just for that. You guys have got to really be pushing the pro reads. You can sit down tomorrow with your membership and go through 100 sessions with NHL goaltenders as they walk you through the saves that they've made. This was a brilliant idea of Woody's. It drove me crazy from the moment I started this, that you get online and all people do is talk about everything a goalie did wrong. Should have made that save, should have made that save. Let's sit them down and be positive and talk about the saves they made and what they do right. And many of them, being the perfectionist that they are, will start to tell you, maybe I should have done this, maybe I should have done that. Um, But you get a chance to learn from the absolute best in the business. There's almost 500... Uh, separate pieces of content up on InGoal right now. Um, but guys, just an awesome opportunity to sit down with the pros and learn from them. So, you know, there may not be a, a, a Black Friday special at InGoal right now, but in a way there is because you immediately sign up, you get all that content that's in the back catalog, and then you get another year coming forward. So that'll be another 52 pro reads coming your way this year with your membership. Yeah, I should should emphasize it's annual memberships only get access to the full archives. You can buy a monthly membership, but then you just get whatever comes out from then forward in the past month. You don't get the full, you know, entire archive access. And speaking of pro reads, I thought it was awesome this week. You know, sometimes the details that they pick out of there, sometimes it's how their defenseman is going to play something. Sometimes it's what hand, you know, the shooter is, whether he's left or right handed shot, how he's holding his hands, how the blade is presenting, where he is on the ice. Sometimes, though, it's just desperation. And even in those desperate moments, there are little keys and rules of thumb that will help you make more saves. And that was an example that we saw this week in our pro read with Alex Nedeljkovic. What I thought might just be a total throwaway, puck through traffic that was headed high, gets tipped, hits him in the hit, hip, bounces down to his left, wide open net, makes a brilliant save. And you look at it and you go, pure athleticism and desperation. But there were two or three keys in terms of how he approached that desperate moment attacking angle ahead of depth rather than just coming straight across and in terms of the priority to get something to the middle of the net and those are the types of lessons that you get in pro reads and it was so fun to then see on the highlight reels the other night i think it was wednesday night he made two brilliant saves in a similar manner and you could see how the rules he had shared with us over at ingle premium and inglemag.com um, with his pro reads directly applied to both situations and the two saves he made. And so um, a lot of takeaways in there for folks, uh, young goaltenders, beer leaguers, you watch NHLers break down how and why they choose save selections in certain situations, uh, you will get better as well. We may not be facing NHL shooters, uh, but those tips apply at all levels and across the board. So it's been a real fun project. And as Hutch said, uh, there's a hell of a lot of value there for 50 bucks Canadian, which is like two cents American. Uh, you can have not just the next year, but almost two years worth of content. And as he said, 100 pro reads. I got to celebrate that on our social media here. We uh, we love being able to just watch and, and have it play out and being able to have already looked behind the curtain and know what's going to happen. Like that's cool with uh, with Ned. And being able to watch that, uh, soupy underscore 35, soupy underscore 35 is Kristen Campbell's Twitter handle and give her a follow. And if you want to go on the Instagram, uh, it's K dot Campbell 35, uh, and, uh, some great stuff there as, uh, we thank Kristen and Dr. Chris Wu and Cam for an entertaining gear segment today. And you 
the listener, for being on this great journey of goaltending on In Goal Radio, the podcast. <laughs>